Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Happy Wednesday, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a brand new episode of I've Got a Secret. Now, I'm just going to say it. Dating can be tough. The options, the effort, the pressure, it's difficult to navigate the dating pool to find your forever partner. So for this episode, I'm here with Bachelor alum Nick Vial to help me decode this world. Nick is a TV personality, podcast host, author, and entrepreneur. His upcoming book, Don't Text Your Ex on Their Birthday, and other advice on love, sex, and dating, offers a male perspective on the love games, rules, and questions that so many of us need some clarity on. We're going to break everything down so you can stop getting in your own way and start living a full life of love. This is The Secret to Dating from a Man's Point of View. I'm so excited about this podcast, Nick. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, we do need you as the expert because I'm going to be very clear right up front. I haven't really dated in almost 46 years. Philip and I will be married 46 years this coming August, but we still date. But I think you're the perfect expert to have here on dating. Well, I appreciate you having me. I, uh, I, it's nice of you to say. I, I, I don't know if I would call myself an expert, but I, I do like to share my perspective through my, my own experiences. But like, you know, 46 years of marriage, that's, yeah. you, you must know a lot of things I don't know as well. So, <laughs> Well, I guess I could talk about some things maybe you obviously wouldn't know about marriage, but we're here to talk about dating because you're being very humble. I have to tell you, when I would share that you were coming on the podcast, everyone got so excited that you were going to be here because you are considered the expert on dating. Oh, well, that's <laughs> very nice of your staff to say. I appreciate well, it. Can you give the listeners a little background on how you started giving such great dating advice? Well, uh, it really just kind of came from my own dating experiences, I guess, through my failures, <laughs> um, which I think, you know, I'm a big believer in learning from your failures. And I even hate to use the word failure just because it sounds like uh, nothing is accomplished from something not working out the way you hoped it would. Um, you know, I was someone who grew up in a very, you know, traditional household. I mean, it was untraditional in the fact that we had, I, had ten, I have 10 brothers and sisters, but wow. uh, very conservative household. And I had great parents with a great, uh, you know, marriage are still together to this day. And they really emulated what uh, you know, kind of for me, like the ideal love story, so to speak, which I think is pretty common for a lot of people, um, you know, whether it's their parents or they see it in movies or TVs. And I think that can be great, but also it can put a lot of pressure on us to try to, you know, find love as fast as possible, especially, you know, once we, you know, become adults, you know, once we're 18, 19, we go to college. And I think we kind of have this idea in our head of what we think we should have when it comes to relationships and we try to live up to those expectations. And I was definitely that person. 
Um, but like, like a lot of people, you know, I met someone and, or a few people and had relationships that, you know, there's a lot of love there, but we couldn't make it work or there were some breakups, a lot of heartbreak and, you know, going through heartbreak, I got in my own way kind of thing, you know, I either got my ego involved and I, I I wouldn't accept, uh, certain things, you know, I would, I would tell myself I was fighting for love yep. or, or things like that. And it's it's really easy for us to lie to ourselves in those kind of vulnerable moments. And so for me, I, it was just more trying to survive heartbreak, I suppose. Uh, and, and, it, you know, and I had some ups and downs and um, it was just a lot of self-reflection. So I, I just learned a lot through my own experiences. And, and then after, you know, going on The Bachelor and it, it was kind of almost like, a relapse, so to speak, because the bachelor is such a heightened experience. And it's this almost, um, it's, it's in a way like a science experiment. And so I really immersed myself in, into that, in that world and, um, developed feelings for people and, you know, got my heart broken and it really kind of, um, reminded me of all the things I had to learn back in my twenties. And I've always been the friend who, you know, friends would come to for advice and, and, partly because I just shoot them straight. Yeah. And so I've, uh, you know, just a combination of all that. And I just kind of started um, listening to people's stories and giving my feedback and people seem to start enjoying it. And I really try to focus on, you know, like, you know, because I, you know, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an, I didn't study this stuff. And so I don't diagnose anything like that. I just try to give people you know, for me, so much of, of trying to get out of my own way was just trying to be as honest with myself as possible and trying to like, you know, truly take a step back and see like, why was I doing the things I was doing? Did I really want something? Was it because my ego was activated? Was I seeking validation over something that was really fulfilling and all those things? And, um, and you know, just developed a, a show and and started just giving advice, and people seem to really have responded to it, and I'm very thankful for that. Wow, I love everything you've just said because it's obvious that you're very authentic, and that's important. So you have looked back at every experience in your life, even going back to your childhood, and using your parents as role models and everything you've been through, and I think that's phenomenal for everyone who has turned to you in your personal life and through your podcast and your experience in the public eye. I love your honesty, your authenticity. I think that's great. During your time on The Bachelor, I bet you learned a lot about dating and the various personality types you might come across. That was probably one of your best teaching moments. Would you agree? Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, The Bachelor is such a bizarre experience. So I don't know if I necessarily learned a lot about dating mm -hmm. in, in the, like, if like in terms of like trying to replicate that in the real world, because so much of that show is, is not real. Like they right. have things like group dates. I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but you, you would be on a date with 14 other people, yes. you know, or, and you, and then obviously you're either competing against, um, a bunch of your peers from one person, or when I was The Bachelor, you were dating multiple people, which is not normal. But yeah. for me, what it was, it was kind of a reminder uh, of getting off the show is that 
uh, I think the thing I learned the most or was really reminded of is the idea that sometimes even though you might feel like you are in love, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are in love. And so feelings can be very confusing. And, you know, I'm not here to say what love means uh, like universally. It, it can it can mean all dif different types of things. But I think we I think we all agree, you know, generally speaking, you know, for people who are looking for long-term monogamous relationships, you know, whether it's through marriage or just a long-term commitment. Uh, and when they say things like, I love you, or I'm in love with you, uh, I think most people agree that there, there needs to be a lot of substance behind that. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, like those, those traditional like marriage vows, you know, love is patient, love is kind, you know, things like that. It, it really takes time to develop that trust, you know, and sometimes part of being in love is really building a, you know, emotional connection. And part of it is, uh, being in a relationship and not, you know, wondering how someone feels about you or, or knowing that you have been, you know, your truest self, your most vulnerable self. You're not necessarily worried about judgment or fear, you know, because, yeah. you know, you can go on the bachelor and develop very strong feelings and, and be so hyper-focused because that's what that world is designed to do. And you've never really taken the time to sometimes, uh, relax and just, you know, show them who you really are. Yeah. You know, we, we're all on our best behaviors early, best behavior early on and things like that. So being on the show was just a reminder that you can feel truly intense feelings and those feelings can, I mean, they're authentic because yeah. whatever you feel is, is real, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, um, the same type of thing, like a, a couple who has maybe been together for you know six months or uh -huh. five years or 47 yeah. years yeah. or things like that. And, and, and sometimes in those vulnerable moments of really intense feelings, whether it's on The Bachelor or maybe we're just excited about this date we had with this person, you know, we're on our fourth good date. We've had a bunch of bad dates in the past. We're super excited. It's going well. And it's very easy to get, you know, caught up in that and start feeling some really intense feelings and confuse that with, you know, love where maybe yeah. it's just a, a really genuine excitement. I would think that going to the bachelor experience, I would think that, yes, you could really feel some intense feelings, some real emotion for someone, but at the same time, you're in a group, like you said, that's a group date and you've got cameras on you. I'm impressed that you, you could actually do that and then, then it's still at the same time be able to actually get to know someone, that would seem very hard to do. Yeah, it's hard, especially when you describe it that way. But, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a very well-engineered environment. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, it's it, their, their relationships almost built on withholding yeah. rather than giving yeah. because, um, you know, you spend, a, you know, basically how it works, you just spend a little bit of time yeah. and just enough time to like feel you know, some sort of compatibility and then you're kind of, and then your time's out. And then you spend most of your time building up uh, in your head and fantasizing about yeah. the relationship with this person, which again, like there's, I think there's a lot to be kind of extrapolated from that to the real world. And we, we all do that, right? Yeah. We, you know, when we get excited, we want to fantasize and, and imagine what life would be like with this person in our next dates. And I think, well, that's fun. It's really fun to do. I think sometimes we can, um, you know, I guess lie to ourselves or kind of delude the reality. And, and more importantly, I think it's just stops us from checking in. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, um, I know when I was younger, it, I didn't do enough of it's, it's kind of afraid it, you like, you, you don't want to like 
inconvenience yourself and this newfound excitement that you have with like the like reality of checking in. And by checking in, I mean like, you know, asking questions that maybe don't sound as romantic, but like seeing where they are at, you know, how they feel about certain things. And we're often afraid to do that because, well, we don't want to kill the vibe. And so um, they're all very, you know, I always like most of the stuff I talk about it, whether it's in my book or just on the show, I always say it's like, it's really simple in theory. Like it's not complicated stuff. It's just really hard in practice just because it's our feelings are, we're so invested. And it's just like, it seems... It seems so like like a buzzkill to yeah. ask some of these questions that are going to protect ourselves and our hearts in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. I mean, Defion, you know you really need to know the information, but sometimes it's like, I almost don't want to yeah. know it right now. We're, we're having too much fun exactly. or it's feeling too good. I know I need to ask these really important questions but I'm going to put it off for a while because I really yeah. want to just ride this wave of we, we, this new relationship, this new this new fun time I'm having. So, I mean, I totally get it. But at some point, it's obvious that you know, you've got to yeah. go there. You've got to start asking the important questions if this one seems like it could be the one, she could be the one. You talk in your book about making a distinction between emotions and an emotional connection, which I think is so important. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of my book is kind of... Uh, predicated on that idea, right? Because, you know, we, nowadays we have like hookup culture, which is, it's, it's pretty mainstream, um, which I think is in a lot of ways, great, you know, sex positive, if you want to, like, if you're, you know, no judgment for me, but I still think, um, it's important to understand what that means. Right. And I think, you know, because hookup culture is so prevalent these days and, and still the desire for people to eventually like, settle down and be in a monogamous relationship, I think it can get very confusing to us, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, what does it mean to have an emotional connection? And I think that that can vary from person to person. It can, you know, an example came up on my podcast, one of my associate producers, she was telling a story, she's got a new boyfriend, she's really excited about him. They've been dating for a few months. They spent a ton of time together. She got to know his friends. It's all, it's all going great. And she was telling this story uh, the other night, uh, other day rather that, um, you know, one night she was just feeling anxious, you know, you know, whatever. She just had a lot going on in her head. She couldn't sleep and she was tossing and turning and she was worried that she was inconveniencing him and she didn't know what to do. And then she was getting anxiety about that. And so he just decided to just go home at two, uh, two in the morning and then text him saying, Hey, I just, I just want to bug you and, and, and all these things, which is, is totally normal. But to me, that just kind of show that here's this person who's been dating this person for two months, right? They spent a ton of time together. And it was just kind of like a a reality check that like, well, she likes them and it's going really well. She's very excited. She's developing some really strong feelings. Maybe that emotional connection and trust still isn't quite there. That might be six months from now or a year from now where she's not necessarily worried about how, how is he going to respond to her waking up? Like, yeah. you know, I'm sure yeah. like you and your husband, you know, like after, you know, if you toss and turn, like, it's fine. You're not worried about like, oh, how is he going to feel? And it's, <laughs> I think we sometimes, and that's in her feelings, I think that, you know, my associate producer had, I think were very normal, but uh-huh. I think sometimes we will want to say to ourselves, well, we, oh, I've been, I've been seeing this person for a couple months. We spend 
all our time together. Like we have such a great connection and, and I'm sure you do, but like, is that the same as like a really strong foundation? And I think sometimes confusing, you know, excitement and again, a really strong emotional, emotional connection gets ourselves in trouble or, or just kind of makes our hearts vulnerable because, you know, sometimes when we then are participating in hookup culture, we're thinking we're, we're trying to, you know, you use hooking up as a way to like check in, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, mm -hmm. well, if they, if they like me, you know, well, I'll take the next step. And it's just like, Hey, listen, if you're going to participate in hookup culture, like, I think that's great. Uh, do it because you want to participate in hookup culture. Don't do it because you think it's a, a, a way to check in with the relationship. And I think sometimes totally. we often confuse the two and it can lead to some you know, some disappointment that we can ultimately avoid. Agree, completely agree. And you're know, going back to your associate producer, in my opinion, she missed a really good chance to just further the relationship connection because all she needed to do, in my opinion, was stay there and wake him up and see how he felt about that. Yeah. Well, she I could think, have just yeah. stayed there and said, I'm having some anxiety and I'm thinking I should go home because he probably would have loved to have then told her, no, 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 you don't need to do whatever his feelings were. But she missed a really good chance to maybe allow him to tell her his feelings, tell her his point. Yeah. I think, I think part of it was, I think he had an early morning. She didn't want to wake him up. And I, yeah. I do think she ended up uh, using that opportunity. Like you said, it just, maybe took a day or two yeah. because it was, you know, she did use it as opportunity to kind of just check in with him. And it sounds like things are going great, but a lot of people wouldn't, right? To right, your point, right. they would just kind of maybe make up an excuse or yeah, like, I yeah. wasn't, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, she allowed him to have an opportunity to go, wow, she has, she's really nice. She cared enough about me not to wake me up. She just had a, a really anxiety filled moment. And she thought, I'm not going to wake him up. I'm going to go home and just let him know why. Yeah. So she showed him a very nice side of her, a very considerate side of her. Totally. And I think the biggest takeaway there, it was just a reminder for her that as, as great as things are going, that, you know, she's not where, and it's like normal. It's yeah. like, I think it was like a, just a, a really refreshing reality check that like, she has only been dating this guy for yeah, two months yeah. and that's okay. It's yeah. okay to still feel a little anxious yes. and realize and tell yourself, uh, I'm take I care still of have more to learn about yeah. this person or, or about this relationship. Like sometimes we, we like, sometimes we, again, we want to take out, like we feel, we feel like we're killing the, the romance or we're killing the, the vibe by saying, I love what I know so far yeah. rather than this, you know, Rather just, oh, well, I, I, I know everything. I, I, you know, we all love to say, oh, I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah. And while it might feel that way, you definitely don't. Yes. Um, and I think we just have to, too many people, I think, when they're dating, will decide they like each other and then immediately stop checking in. Yes. You know, it's yes. like, they're like, hey, do you want to be my boyfriend or girlfriend? And then the next step is some sort of like, I love you. And then after like the first, I love you, yeah, you say, I love you all the time after the first, I love you. But like many people, I don't think check in enough until maybe they start talking about moving in or an engagement. Yes. But there's so many opportunities in between that to just check in with our partners about like how they're feeling about things. And, you know, what are the things that they like? What are the things that they don't like? Oh, um, sure. And it, it can be, it's always inconvenient to do because sometimes 
it might lead to like you bring something, you know, you, you it might be where everything's fine. And then you say, hey, this is something I want to talk about. And that might be a 30 minute conversation where both of you are kind of feeling a little bit on edge. Be like, whoa, I thought you didn't. I, what do you mean you didn't like that? But those are the things that like if you're pro, I, I'm a big believer in being proactive rather than reactive. If you can totally. get ahead of it, it's 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 usually builds a stronger foundation. But oh, I totally agree with these you. These are all mistakes I've made <laughs> in the past not doing so. I yeah. completely agree. Philip and I were together almost three years before we got married and we spent the two years before we got married discussing everything that we about ourselves and what we wanted each other to know, what we would accept and wouldn't accept when we got married. This is what I need from you. This is what I'm willing to give to you. This is what I can give to you. I think it's an ongoing conversation before you take that final step to spend the rest of your life together. You have to make sure that your partner, I believe, understands everything about yourself, what you need, and that you also understand everything of what your partner needs. Because if Philip hadn't told me everything about his needs, if he hadn't become vulnerable enough to tell me what he needed from me, how was I going to give him? How was I going to make him happy? How was I going to fulfill his needs if he didn't tell me what they were? And then also he told me what I would do to upset him push his buttons. Here's what you can do to push my buttons. Yeah. And so when he told me that, I had to make the decision, and I did, to never do that. Because I, if I did it, I did it full well knowing it was going to piss him off. It was going to make him mad. It was going to upset him. So thankfully, he told me, and they were very serious things, like, don't ever, ever compare me to my father. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. one of them. So for very... Valid reasons. I won't say. But what yeah, I mean, he was just honest with you that, like, obviously, that was something that triggered him, and exactly. and like he, it sounds like he knew that if if you're gonna say that, like, I'm gonna lose perspective. Yes. Like, I'm just yes. like, I'm so, gonna like if you really want to upset me, you yeah. can just say, oh, you sound just like your father. So in the 49 years we've been together, I've never one time would I ever do that. Why would I do that? I know that would upset him. I know that he would see me with different eyes. Why would I do that? I choose to never do that. So those kinds of conversations, I think, are so important. Yeah. And and I don't think you you can never have them too early, really. Never too early. I I wouldn't say like have them on the, maybe the first date's too early. But like once you start, you know, really saying to both of you, like, I like you. And and really is, I think... you know, after that first, like, I love you. Yes. Uh, I think it's really important to check in and, you know, in the honeymoon phase, as yeah. they say, I, I think we all like to like enjoy the honeymoon yeah. phase, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's also okay to, to check in and communicate those things. Like you said, whether it's things you like or don't like, ask more questions about your partner, ask them, um, you know, if there's things that that you could do differently. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, and be it's, nice it's awkward, <laughs> but like after you have those conversations, I think you, you always feel stronger. It's kind of right. like, it's like working out. Like sometimes yeah. you work out and you feel real crappy while you're working out and you're tired and you get cramps and you, yeah. you, know, you work out hard enough. You might even throw up, but yeah. like over time you build that stamina, you, you feel good, you feel in, in, in shape and, and I guess relationships and communication can work the same way. Yeah. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we do something on every podcast. We do two things. And one is we have the drink of the day. Okay. And so we always create a drink that is focused on our topic. And this drink we call the his and hers. So for today's cocktail, we're doing one cocktail mixed two different ways. One that's his and one that's hers. So now your his and hers will all be different. But in this room, Nick is a whiskey drinker. Am I right? I am. Yeah. It smells like it's some really good whiskey. Okay. Well, I'm a tequila girl. So I created a recipe that works with both. Two ounces of bourbon whiskey for him or two ounces of tequila for her. One half ounce lemon juice. One fourth ounce simple syrup. You're going to put everything in a shaker with ice and give it a big shake. Strain into a rocks glass with one large ice cube and sip. This is when I sip? Yes. So cheers. Cheers. That's really good. Mm. That is very good. So what are some signs you've seen that suggest a person is emotionally unavailable? Uh, I think they are resistant to having the conversations we just spend a lot of time talking to. That would be a big one. Um you know, especially like if um, early on, if, you know, when, if you're dating someone, especially like the honeymoon phase, right? And you're t- having fun and they almost like make you feel bad for checking in. Like, why do you have to be such a buzzkill or, yes. or things like that? Um, I think, you know, anytime you're trying to kind of peel back a layer just to get to know someone and they deflect. I mean, anytime someone deflects, I think it's certainly a sign that they... Um, you know, I, when I, I guess I hate to use the word emotionally unavailable because uh-huh. I think we all have, you know, we all have things that uh, come up that give us anxiety or make us, you know, we might be a little bit guarded about some things. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, the more, you know, I, I heard at the Harvard Business School did a study, I think, um, about like one of the biggest frustrations with dating. And they said... Uh, no, everyone says no one asks enough questions, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting since, you know, everyone feels that way, mm-hmm. which means everyone's not asking enough questions. Everyone's always yeah. waiting for the other person to ask yeah. questions. We don't want to feel like we're interviewing someone. Yeah, but true. We just also have to like, um, 
you know, like, so yeah, when we, when we ask questions and they ultimately like, don't really give us any answers, I think it's really important too, when you're on, when you are dating to, to pay attention to people's answers, you know, especially if we really like someone, it yeah. can be pretty common to just think everything they say sounds nice. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of people who are very good at saying things, but not really saying anything at all. And I think you, you have to, it's okay to ask why early on in, in dating, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. why do you feel the way you do? Why, why is that? Follow-up questions are great. Um, I think that's when we really find out more. I think some people are pretty caught off guard when you ask a follow-up question because I think they're so used to, you know, saying they're charming, charming, candid, you know, or canned things. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, that sounds really nice. But yeah. uh, the more we ask, the more we learn and the more resistant to people are to your questions, the, the, I think the, the more guarded they are and, and maybe they're just not ready for that type of connection that you're, you're ready for. I, I completely agree with you. And I, I'm also one for... I'm not necessarily always needing an answer. I like to watch for expressions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, body language obviously matters too. But uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if someone really is wanting to date you and get to know you, then they're excited to learn about you. And if you feel like uh, someone's not excited to learn about you, then either there's something going on, Mm -hmm. they have some reservations, um, or they're just not, all that interested in you, you know? Um, and again, like everything we're talking about now, it's, it's not a hard and fast rule. Like you might meet someone who's just a little more quiet and introverted on the first date. Um, but if you give it more time, there should be at least some effort to, to, to get to know you or, or to ask questions and to be giving up information about themselves and build a connection. Otherwise, you know, and there, there are a lot of people who just, want to have someone to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if, if someone's not interested in getting to know you or vice versa, you might be dating someone who just, just likes having you around. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Chemistry those... plays a big part in it too. Sometimes they can be just kind of reserved and shy about opening up, but the chemistry's there. So you just might need to give them some time. Yeah. You know, chemistry is tricky though, because like sometimes chemistry uh, really gets us in trouble because... Um, it does. Chemistry is not the same as compatibility. Um, it's true. It's very and, true. And sometimes we get, you know, and and that that uh, that all being said, chemistry is still hard to find. But there are people who are just more charming than others. That's true. Um, things like having common interests, you know, can ra- bring up compatibility. Maybe you're super religious and you meet someone who goes to the same church as you and have the same views on on religion as you. That can be very like. You know, especially if you've dated someone who before you, maybe you fought over religion. The next person you meet yeah. likes religion. You're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chemistry. And yeah. so, um, so when we, since even though chemistry is hard to find, when we feel it, we get really excited. And I think sometimes we overlook whether we're compatible with people. Sure. Um, so I think sometimes it's really, it's, it's great to f- have chemistry, but it's also really important not to. Uh, still be willing to like figure out how compatible we are with these people, you know, how long term can it be? And still, again, be able to ask some of those questions to get to know someone. Because again, the more chemistry we feel, the more I think often we like to just say, oh, I feel chemistry. We we must be connected. The rest will just take care of itself and, and they don't check in. That's, you're right. You're absolutely right. Can you explain love bombing? Um... 
Well, again, I'm, I'm not a therapist, so uh, I always want to be careful and, and disclaim that. You're doing a very good job, though, today. But you, you don't my, have to be a therapist. My understanding of love bombing, well, I only say that just because nowadays, you know, things like love bombing and gaslighting and those words uh, are they're relatively new and they're all over the internet. And, you know, I understand the idea that, um, dating is hard Mm -hmm. and, and relationships are even harder. Um, and sometimes we don't have, our relationships don't work out the way we hope. Exactly. And, and sometimes we can be in toxic relationships and so, and, and some, and these words and like these phrases like love bombing and gaslighting have, have come up to help explain feelings that many of us have all felt in relationships. And the internet has a way of watering down those terms mm-hmm. and as a way, you know, to understand how we feel. So, you know, I, I just, yes, I, I totally use it. it. It's, I think we always have to be careful of how we use it. Just yes. for like, for example, like my understanding of, of love bombing is when someone uses like words of affirmation, like mm-hmm. I love you mm-hmm. is a way to, uh, almost coerce or get something from their partner, right? Uh, for example, like maybe you're in an early dating situation, and, you know, like um, two people are uh, are dating and one person wants to take the next step and have sex. The other person's feeling a little like hesitant about sh- this. And they'll say something like, but I love you. You know, usually that but is the key word. It's like, but I love you. And they're saying I love you is a way to, you know, and the important, th- the, the way to really identify it is there's an ask that follows, right? The ask is, I want to sleep with you and you should sleep with me because I love you, right? Or someone might love bound a situation where maybe there's some infidelity in a relationship and you don't leave me because I love you, right? And there's this, that reminder of like, I love you or I want to take the next step. And again, there's, it's, it's, it's the, the big, uh, and I learned this from a therapist is that uh, it's, it's the ask. They want something from you and they're using the L word, yeah. uh, to elicit that and try to coerce you in doing that. And then once they get their way, you know, they, uh, their, yes. their feelings might change. So, but, um, that is my understanding of it. And it is something that absolutely does happen, but it's not the same as yeah. two people dating. Yeah. Uh, someone gets excited and maybe they say, I love you in the first week Yes. and because they just, and they really feel it. And maybe three weeks later, the more they get, they know they're just like, like, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I yeah. feel the same way. Like that's not yeah. love bombing, you know? And so it can be real tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you feel like, you know, if you're someone in an early dating situation and let's say, again, you're, you know, you're, you got excited, you feel like there's a connection and you told yourself, oh, we have a strong connection. Maybe you don't have an actual really strong emotional connection, a real foundation. And then you decide to yeah. have sex and you hook up and, you know, you've been dating for a month, but like how much do you really know? And, and then two people are excited and then they think, well, you know, they used me or things yeah. like that. And that can get real tricky. And again, sometimes that can happen when two people are excited and, and participating in hookup culture and all the things we just talked about yeah. that people yeah. often don't do can lead to a lot of disappointment. And then they go to the internet and then some the internet's like, have you been loved bomb before? And they're like, yeah, <gasps> you know, and, yes. and they think they have, but it's, it's, it's not the same as someone 
deliberately trying to coerce you and using that word as a way to like make you feel guilty. And then they're asking something specifically as a result of their love they're saying they have for you. See, love bombing, I guess I'm just showing my age because I think love bombing is just an updated way to say manipulation. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a type of manipulation yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the like gaslighting, the same uh-huh. thing is a type of manipulation. Um, but yeah. I think it's important to note that the aspect of dating that you actually can control is your own personal developments. Taking the time and care to work through past experiences is important for your overall happiness. Absolutely. So, and also being single is not a bad thing. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Which I think is a, a, a something we need to remind ourselves. And unfortunately, yes. family and friends and society like to re, like to ask us questions like, why are you single? Uh, which the question itself is... Yeah, like almost like I don't, I don't. What do you mean? Yeah, um, the alternative is not better, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with being single. It's like I totally agree with you. There's, it, it's okay to be single. Yeah, absolutely, and especially nowadays. Like we, you know, we're we're not we're not getting married at, in our early twenties anymore. And if you are, that's great. But if you want to wait, that's also great. Um, you know, I'm. I had some great relationships in my 20s, and mm-hmm. I had uh, I thought I was uh, going to marry all of them. And as great as they were as people, I'm so thankful yeah. I didn't yeah. uh, get get married. Um, it took me most of my 20s to grow up and find myself, mm-hmm. and and um, I feel like you know I'm I'm very thankful to have the relationship I have now. But it I definitely had to be patient and yeah. wait, and I had to be comfortable with being single and. Mm-hmm. You know, I dated and met a lot of great people along the way, but I, I was always grateful. You know, those relationships I learned so much in my 20s, really, I was very afraid of being single in my mm-hmm. 20s. I spent most of my 20s chasing love. I felt very <sighs> inadequate when I was single, very, very uh, vulnerable. Just, uh, I just, I, inadequate was probably the best way to describe it. And it wasn't until that last relationship where I ended and I just was like, you know, kind of okay. And then again, when you're, you're single, you can invest in yourself. You can, you know, once I finally got comfortable with being single, I, I moved to a bigger city. I got a different job that I always wanted. I took more risks, you know? Um, and you know, quite honestly, nothing I would have today wouldn't exist if if I wasn't comfortable with being alone and being single. So, um, it can be tough, especially if, you know, I'm from the Midwest uh-huh. and if you're from the Midwest or you're from the South or middle America where, you know, more kind of traditional values are, you know, still pretty prevalent. They, you can get a lot of pressure from family and friends to find the person. But uh, I even always tell my mom uh, that I would rather, you know, wait till, you know, whether it's 45 or to, to get married and still... You know, you could get married in your 40s and have a 40-year marriage. You know, I don't know how long I'll live, but I'm planning on living for a while, (laughs) you know, knock on wood. But I'd rather do that than rush it and then get divorced and, and, and have to, you know pick up my feet, which, and again, yeah. if you get divorced, you can, you can recover from it, oh, but, for sure. um, it's, it's okay to be patient and be single. And, um, sometimes we, uh, I mean, a lot of people feel that pressure and they, f- you know, they get engaged or married cause they feel like that's what they're supposed to do, what their family wants. And, and they, maybe they feel a lot of love and excitement for that person, but maybe there's, there's a lot of us that have that feeling. And it's just like, is this, is this, 
is this the it for me? Is this what I should be doing? You know, have I done everything I wanted to do? And it can be very scary to ask ourselves those questions. So. so true. I have a really fun story to tell you right now. My Our youngest son met a precious girl, young lady, when he was 23 and she was 22. And I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating because I want to make sure I have the ages right, but so I think he was more like 21. She was 20. Okay. So they dated three years and were, they just had a ball. I adored her. And they had a blast. And so they were about 24 and 23 and they broke up. And it was really sad because I'd really, truly adored her. And they both, you know, just decided, let's break up. We're young too young to be thinking about getting married. I can't remember the conversation they had back then, but that was 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago. And they went on their merry way and met other people over the time. And 10 years later, they reached out to each other. And a year ago, they got married. Oh, really? So in December, they celebrated one year of marriage. They are so happy and... They got married in December a year ago. In the following February, she gave birth to their daughter. And then their daughter turned one in February. And the day after she turned one, she gave birth to their son. That's great. So in the last two years, they have met, reconnected, gotten married, and had two children. And they are so happy. Yeah, it's tough to, you know, when you're you're young and... yes. you know, timing does matter. Timing you know? matters. So uh, young 20s, they said, you know, we're too young. So young 30s, reconnected. Yeah, and I think the, probably the big thing there is like, you know, a lot of people, you know, like will break up and there's this fear of of letting go and, uh-huh. and desire to want to get back with your ex. My first girlfriend, we broke up, I don't know, like seven times, broke yeah. up, got yeah. back together. But, it, you know, like that that 10-year separation that you talked about yeah. really allowed them to like grow up and yes. they, they probably had some very serious relationships yes. in between. And so when they really reconnected, they probably, I'm sure they're, they really felt like, you know, I'm sure they were like still the same person at their yes. core, but they also were very different and yes. um, and probably came back in a place where it could really work out. So that's, that's a great story. I believe you give great advice from a male's perspective in your own dating dilemmas. Is there any woman in your life who gives you advice from a female's perspective? Well, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, uh, and I do go to my girlfriend, Natalie, often for advice. You know, I, I love bouncing ideas off her um, and see how she thinks about things, especially if I'm, like, thinking about an idea for the show. She's a really great resource to have. Wonderful. Before Natalie and I were in a relationship, I definitely uh, – I think it's really important to always have um, people you really trust and go to advice. and. Uh, I'm no different. Um, but yeah, I have a, I have a couple, uh, I've always had a lot of women friends. I've Mm -hmm. always, you know, I have six sisters and I have a close relationship with my mom. I've always been comfortable. I've always enjoyed girl talk to Uh a certain degree. I've always Uh been, even in high school, I enjoyed talking about relationships and feelings. And, you know, I also was a big jock, but that was the, that was just kind of who I was a little, little bit different. I, I suppose. But I have to say you're very lucky that you grew up with six sisters and yeah. close to your mother. And I think that's yeah, fabulous. I feel, I feel very fortunate. But I also had like a lot of women friends and definitely, um, you know, even when I was, Natalie and I were just, you know, 
dating but not in a relationship um you know i had some reservations about it and i had uh, friends i went to and just told them how i was feeling and um you know it wasn't so much like getting a woman's advice per Uh se but like you know a lot of my friends i had who i asked for advice were women and just um you know sometimes you want a woman's point of view of of you know Am I seeing it differently or am I, am I just, am I, am I like just being in my kind of guy head, so to speak, if, um, so I, yeah, it's, uh, it's really important to have. And I think, I think, uh, for men out there, uh, I think they, I I think they need to have more conversations with women. Um, I think it's it's really important for young men to, whether it's their sisters or women friends to, to ask them about their dating experiences. Um, I think sometimes, uh, and in both genders, especially Mm -hmm. in in heterosexual relationships, it's good to try to, you know, the more we can empathize with the other people's point of view, the more we can understand where they're coming from. And the easiest way to get better empathizing is to just learn about people who are different from us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're a, a man who's attracted to women, and you want to learn more about women, I definitely think you should talk to women and not your buddies or, or so uh, you get a lot of bad <laughs> advice from your guy friends in your early 20s um, because a lot of you want to show off or things like that. So I think the more you can feel comfortable and just kind of asking, you know, ask, what is it like to you to date? What, what are your experiences out there? uh, with guys, you know, what could I do differently? And you can get a lot of great advice from your women friends. I've, yeah. I've gotten a ton of like, I've some ton, ton of great advice. And yeah. sometimes you, it's kind of embarrassing. You realize how wrong you were, yeah. uh, early on only for, uh, a, like for me, like a woman friend to be like, yeah, I wouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so basic. You shouldn't have, no, don't, don't say, don't say that to me. Yeah. He'll go, what, what? No, you shouldn't say those kind of things to No, don't. Or I'm so happy you said that. And so even to this day, Phil, I, I can still surprise him like, oh, that was so perfect. That was the perfect thing to say. Oh, really? It's it's hilarious. And I'll start laughing sometimes like after 45 years, that still surprises you. Or after 45 years, you still don't know not to say that to me. So it's... Yeah, we learn slowly. Yeah, yeah, sometimes very slowly. And I have to tell you, I raised two boys and... You would not believe how many times over the years I'd say, let me just tell you how a woman feels about that. Or when they were growing up, I'd say, well, you might want to do this with her or if they had a date or what, I'd do this or you might say this and, oh, you shouldn't have done that or you shouldn't have said that because how are they supposed to know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was very fortunate to have, again, the sisters and the women friends I had early on that. Uh, gave me some great advice. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Tell us more about your fabulous podcast and upcoming book. Uh, yeah, The Vile Files. Um, we have three shows a week. Uh, on Mondays, it's very relationship-focused where uh, people call in and share their their usually dating stories. Yeah. And it's always some kind of a situationship or maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe a relationship or a marriage or whatever. And, um, they ask my advice Yay. and, uh, I, I give them my perspective, which is always again, around trying to help them see their story that they're telling me. And all I really try to do is, um, I try to kind of find the lies they're telling themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and so that they can see it for a little more clearly so they can kind of reassess and, and maybe, 
have a little bit more empowered decision. Um, it can feel very powerless uh, mm. to date out there. And um, that, that's kind of the goal. And the book's really the same thing. It's really, again, a lot of anecdotal stories of my life or stories from the podcast or stories from friends and just some basic concepts. It's a very fun fun read um, that you can kind of page through, whether it's like you're in a situationship and how you, how, why you should get out of it and, yeah. and how to like realize that maybe you might be in one or how to deal with heartbreak or letting go or things like that. But just, um, just some, f like the goal really is to make you feel like a more empowered dater, to feel a little bit more in control of your own choices and decisions. And then when you have some sort of disappointment, uh, because disappointment's going to happen and we're going to feel bad about it and then we're going to be bummed, but to try to reduce the amount of time uh, that we are feeling down and pick ourselves back up and get back out there. And, and so that's what it's really all about. I love the podcast. I love following you on Instagram. Tell everyone how to find you on Instagram. Uh, Nick Vial on Instagram, same with TikTok, uh, N-I-C-K-V-I-A-L-L. Yeah. Um, and the, the Vial Files is anywhere you... Um, listen to podcasts. So, and the book's not out yet. So tell everyone when the book, will not be till October. Out. Uh, it is available for pre-order. If you're an yes. anxious person, yes. uh, Amazon, abramsbooks.com, you can pre-order it. And again, I think mid October, it'll yeah. be out. It's yeah. going to be a fun, fun read. I can guarantee you. So we do, like I said earlier, two things in every podcast. We have our drink of the day, but we also do a game of the day. Do you like playing games? Yeah, let's do it. Yay. So we create the game focused on our guest and our podcast that we've done today. So the name of this game is Never Have I Ever. So we're going to close out this episode with a fun round of Never Have I Ever since we are both in relationships, this is a relationship edition. I'll just read off a prompt, and we have to say if we've ever done that thing. So number one, never have I ever used my partner's toothbrush without them knowing. I'll go first. Uh, I've used my partner's toothbrush, but I tell him every time. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I've definitely done it. Um, yeah. It's a weird thing to hide. I and why would I hide it? Yeah. He doesn't care. I actually just did this last weekend. We traveled to Austin, Texas to see Willie Nelson, actually, and George Strait in concert. Ooh, nice. It was Willie Nelson's 89th birthday. That would be fun. Well, it was awesome. It was awesome. We're just, I'm a huge Willie Nelson fan. We went there with some friends, as guests of some friends, and it was amazing. And I forgot to pack my toothbrush, so I used his. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Okay, but I've now, definitely done it. Yeah, you know. yeah. Never have I ever accidentally given my partner horrible advice. <laughs> I'm sure I have. I mean, like, I don't I, know what it was, but I can't think of what it was. But if I you've have. ever given advice in your life, at some point, you've probably given some wrong advice. Yes. Well, actually, I, I remember I once told, I wouldn't call it horrible, but I once told a national television a friend that she would never be with another friend of mine uh, with him, and they are now married with kids. So, oh, really? Uh, but in reality, it's, it's kind of a, a famous, uh, infamous story, but in reality, she, she needed to let him go, and she needed to date someone else so that he could get scared and then chase her. But um, Did that happen? Yes. Yeah. But that's wonderful yeah. advice. But, well, yeah, but they like throwing it in my face. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I kind of did the same thing to Philip. I said, okay, I'm ready to get married. He said, I'm not. I went, okay, bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the same thing. I was, my, my girlfriend wanted us to be boyfriend and girlfriend. I said I wasn't ready. And she said, great. And she started 
dating yeah. someone else immediately. And okay. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's scary. Wait. He went, whoa, yeah, okay, yeah. wait just a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, never have I ever pretended to like something my partner cooked. Oh, I have done that. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I've pretended to like something he cooked for I've me. I've tried to pretend, but I'm not. I'm not a very good liar. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you take a bite of something you don't like, it it's pretty obvious, but... Yeah. I so, pretended. And I, I probably could try harder. So I'm kind of like, no, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I did. I pretended. And well, he bought why, it. He why totally eat things it. you don't enjoy? Life's too short. You well, know? he was so proud of himself. And he's so sweet. He cooks for me a lot. But Is he a I, good cook? He's a pretty good cook, yes. Okay. Yes. And he doesn't go all out. It's just that he just does it because he knows I'm tired or whatever. And he's so sweet about it. So I pretended. All right. Never have I ever told my partner they need to change clothes. Oh, I do it all the time because he'll do it because he doesn't, he'll admit all of his tastes in his mouth. He cannot pick I out feel a like, wardrobe. yeah, I feel like that is something that um, guys get away with less. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I was, not not recently, but uh, I was told that when 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 she comes out of the room after getting dressed, that I, I just, I, it requires a certain reaction. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because if I'm like, oh, that's nice. Like, because she, she, knows, she knows how I respond when I really like something. Yeah. So I've been coached to always give that response going Boy, and forward. We are waiting. Yeah. We're reading everything. We're reading the tone of voice, the eyes, the look, the yeah. reaction. We're reading it all. But the other way around, like, I quite like fashion, but I'll still go to Natalie. And if she's like, yeah, I don't like that, I, I take no offense and I change. Philip won't even, he, what should I wear? I, I pretty much just tell him what to wear. Yeah. So when he walks out, it's, it's because I've told him what to put on. Never have I ever cooked a romantic meal for my partner. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I like to cook. So it's yeah. definitely like, uh, I'm yeah. an active service guy when it comes to my love language. So oh, that's I, uh, I like to, I like to do things for my partner. I'm so into visual. So I yeah. love to do the whole romantic meal thing. Okay, the last one. Never have I ever posted a lovey-dovey caption about my partner on Instagram. I do it all the time. Oh, I'll, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah all the time. Yeah. I, love a, I love a good sappy caption for the gram. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I got those likes, Robin. Yeah, wow. and, it's, and, I, and they're true. When I post them, it's true. It's true. And that, unfortunately, brings us to the end of the episode. So now before we wrap up, I have one more question for you. I started this podcast and named it I've Got a Secret. And I really was like, I've got a secret because I wanted everyone that came on the podcast to truly share secrets. And so do you have a secret that you can think of and share with the listeners that maybe you were told from a family member or a friend that you believe really helped your life that maybe you can share and help someone else's life? Um, I got like a valuable lesson. That, uh -huh. let, me, let me think. And for example, I'll just tell you, my grandmother shared a little secret of hers with me when I was very young, and it was about separating an egg and whipping the egg white and using it as a mask. And it is uh, amazing. Okay. Yeah, I think I forgot who told me. But and I don't think this is a secret. I feel like, but like preparation age on your uh, on your eyes is great for puffy eyes. Really? Yeah. So hemorrhoid cream on your eyes because it it's meant to take down the swelling of skin. So that is a good secret, and that's one we will use. I'm sure all of the listeners will love to hear that. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I can help. H listeners, uh, did you hear that secret squad? Under the eyes for puffy eyes. It, I think it works. Now that, I bet it does. I would definitely like go get new ointment. Yeah. If if you like if, if you already are using if you preparation already have, yeah, if you somewhere have, like, else. maybe just like yeah. <laughs> oh, that's but. fun. Now that I won't borrow from a family member. Yeah, definitely don't like <laughs> go get your own. Don't don't <laughs> don't borrow don't borrow it oh, from your I partner. I promise you, Philip doesn't use it. <laughs> okay, that's wonderful. So now, please tell the listeners where to find you online. And I know we've talked about it, but please tell all of the listeners where to find you online. And I'd also love for you to talk a little bit about your essential oils business because. We didn't go there, and I am such a freak about essential oils. I love them. Oh, I should have brought you some. Yeah, it's uh, Natural Habits, uh, NHOs.com. My sister's a holistic nutritionist, and so she really got in me into it um, oh. just because I, I, you know, again, like um, – I think for me personally, I like to uh, approach like any type of non-invasive approach if I can. So like, yes. for example, like, you know, I've certainly used uh, ibuprofen for headaches, but ibuprofen can be hard on your digestive system and your stomach yes. and, you know, essential oils, especially like peppermint and certain blends can help with like, headaches uh, and things like that or anxiety, anxiety just like, like yes. the mindfulness of, of breathing and things like that. So we specialize in blends. So we have roll-ons that you can carry throughout the day and smell like for, for headaches. And we have four specific blends and as well as, uh, just blends you can put in a, in a diffuser. And so nhoils.com is the website. Um, and, uh, we're USDA organic, which is, uh, something that's, you know, relatively unique to the marketplace. A lot of essential oils, they'll have things like all natural, or like 100% organic, but it won't be USDA approved. And the big thing about that is like, weirdly enough, there's there's no regulations on calling something organic or calling something all natural or like 100% pure, mm -hmm. or you can kind of even make up a designation, but like it's not verified by any independent third party like being USDA organic is. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love hearing that. So say again where the, what the name the of the site is. The website's nhoils.com. So it's natural habits, oils, and so nhoils and, uh, yeah. I love that. I am so excited that the secret squad out there have just learned this information because essential oils, I, I love them. I live and breathe them. <laughs> I'll so, send you some. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So you heard that secret squad. Head on over to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more fun from this episode. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.